Writing's not that easy, but Grammarly can help. This sentence is grammatically correct, but it's wordy and hard to read. And that's why, if you use promo code MrT, you can get five whole months free. And on top of that, perfect essays for the rest of your life. I mean, who wouldn't want that? So again, use promo code MrT. You're helping to support our channel and their website. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of The Pilot's Place. I'm Hassan Rahim, and I'm here with my co-host, Noah Fukushima. And we have a very special guest today, Loko Sanaoki. Today, we'll be talking about the evolution of stealth and attack in fighter jets with our very special guest, Loke, who will tell us his views on this topic. Loke is a student at Roland Hall, and he will be answering some questions for us about, well, stealth and attack on fighter jets and technology advancements. Wow. To start us off, uh, where do you think stealth technology is going to be in the next few years? Uh, short term, five years, midterm, 25 years, and long term, 50 years? It really depends. I'd say probably around the 25 year mark is where stealth would probably get even better than it is today. And if you, if you really wanted, you could go for like 100 years, maybe even 50. It will improve drastically over all those years and would get better. And planes would become more advanced. And yeah. Uh, so, wh what do you think would uh, definitely change? Like, would the radar change? Would it be weaponry, or would it just be the overall shape of the fighter itself? Probably the shape and how far the plane could fly, and possibly radar. It might be like, I believe it was the B-2 stealth bomber. That shape was very hard to detect on radar, and could, I believe, fly at high altitudes. So that could probably become even better with more advanced technology in the near future. Yeah, and I because guess, it's hard yeah. to like detect by radar, it'd be hard to be detected by SAM, which means it's safer mm -hmm. from surface air missiles. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting now. Uh, how do you think the production of these technologies would affect operations other than war and reconnaissance, such as search and rescue or public transportation? Where do you think that would take us? So all of those, I believe, cost money to do, and it might cost a, a way more money to build these planes than, let's say, a modern-day plane. So, because the technology has gone so far, it probably would, yeah, it costs like millions of dollars just to install one thing for the airplane. And then you could probably build a lot more planes with the cost of one plane, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, as stealth technology advances, uh, do you believe that the radars will also advance, or do you think they'd stay the same? I think they'd stay the same. They pretty much will do the same thing as they do today, but probably be smaller and more visible. I don't know. Uh, it's hard that, to that's, say. That's fine. Uh, but do you think like the range would be better, or the detection ability? You know how you said the B-2 yeah. was hard to detect? Do you think they'd finally be able to detect those type of shapes? Yeah, probably. Because it's hard to predict when and how technology will advance in the future. But I'd say it would probably get better to detect, or like, easier. Oh, that's great. Um, so, do you think that there are certain things that they could do to radars to make them better? Or do you think that 
they've probably done enough, or do you just not know what's... I don't know. It's really hard to say. Huh. That's, that's good. Thank you. So thank you for your time. Uh, anyways, stealth and attack technologies have changed drastically since the F-117. One of the more prominent stealth fighters was the U-2, the predecessor to the SR-71. It was created to take pictures of Soviet bases and missile silos and report back to the United States. This podcast is also sponsored by our friends Raycon. Use promo code PV, Pilot's Place, by the way, that's what it stands for. Don't get any ideas. For 50% off your first earbuds. They'll last you the longest time, and even famous people like Snoop Dogg and Cardi B love them. So, if you head over there right now, promo code PP, Pilot's Place, you will get 50% off your first pair of Raycon. The U-2 didn't have any weapons of any kind. They can be vulnerable to attacks from Soviet fighters and missiles. Instead, it flew high, 70,000 feet. That way, no Soviet missile nor plane could reach it. The missile lost most of the fuel even trying to reach the plane, and the Soviet missiles couldn't reach the plane without stalling. Overall, the U-2 was a success until 1960 when the U-2 was shot down by an advanced Soviet missile, meaning the U.S. had to design a new spy plane. In the middle of the Cold War, two MiG-25s were sent to intercept the threat on the Soviet border. When these speed demons pushed their engines, they could go and reach Mach 3.3, but it's still not enough because what they were chasing can outclimb and outrun them. What they were chasing was the SR-71. The SR-71 was an improvement to the U-2. I mean, it flew faster at Mach 3.3 and higher, making it impossible to hit with SAM, surface-air missiles and even harder to catch with Russian MiG-25s, which were the fastest interceptors ever built. The SR-71 was retired in 1998. However, the SR-72 was announced in 2013, and it's supposed to be flying by 2030. It's rumored to go over Mach 6, which is faster than the F-15, and can go anywhere in the world within an hour, which is crazy. And for a little surprise today on this episode, we have our surprise guest, Mr. Tatomer, who is an ex-Navy pilot, who and he flew A-4s, so he's pretty experienced with this fighter stuff, and I, I guess he should know quite a bit about stealth, so we're going to ask him some questions here. The SR-71 flew so high it could rarely get detected by SAM, and when it did, it could outrun it. Uh, why do you think that is? Well, again, uh it's basically, you know, Hassan, the, the speed of the aircraft. I mean, it was built, um, it would replace the U-2, and the U-2, its biggest fallacy, because that, that plane could get up really high, but it wasn't fast enough, so you had missiles that could catch it and shoot it out of the sky. And, and again, that's why uh, Skunk Works, Lockheed, um, decided to develop the SR-71, and so you had an aircraft that was faster than anything that was going to try and shoot it down, Hence, yeah. you know, indestructible, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and so we'll switch gears here a little bit. We'll go from stealth stealth planes and reconnaissance, and we'll go into uh, air-to-ground and air-to-ground support. So we'll enter in for the A-10. Well, A-10 wasn't really used for stealth missions, but it still had stealth features involved. It was built to dodge and destroy, and it was pretty much a flying gun. Like, the gun inside the... A-10 was a guy Avenger minigun, pretty much, and though it's called a minigun, there's nothing mini about it, really. So, uh, yeah, so the plane has 
uh, it's two vertical stabilizers uh, really close to the twin turbo engines. Um, uh, why do you think they would build it like that? Um, well, I'm, I'm glad you picked probably two of my favorite planes. But that, but that's yeah. a cool thing, right? Um, close air support, that's the primary mission for the Warthog. It was to go in, support troops on the ground, fly low, fly slow. Um, Somewhat like a torpedo bomber. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, basically. I mean, and again, the cool thing about it is it was built so that um, it could take um, could take fire from underneath, and the pilot was completely protected yeah, inside protected the cockpit. In a metal bathtub, pretty much. It, it was exactly, and again, yeah, it was a metal bathtub, so super cool. Um, as far as the tech on the vertical stabs, I would imagine because of the low and slow mission, it provided more um, uh, performance low, so that you're actually able to use the engines um, to, um, again, produce the the again increase the speed of the air going over that airfoil which is the vertical stab and give that aircraft in those lower profiles lower speed profiles uh, the maneuverability it needed yeah thanks that's perfect oh, absolutely yeah thanks thank you for listening to this episode of the pilot's place we'll see you next time on our next episode about supersonic travel commercially thank you